0: Firstly, I would like to acknowledge the traditional caretakers and inhabitants of this land and across Australia. Also locally where I stand, the dark and young who continue their cultural practices, wisdom and law. Hi, I am Sue and welcome to The Kitchen Table, a place of comfort and community, a place of shared wisdom and healing. Stories are the language of community. In telling stories, we learn what makes us similar, what connects us all, what helps us transcend the isolation that separates us from each other and from ourselves. The Kitchen Table podcast is where we can all come together to connect in community and listen and be inspired by our guests talking about their knowledge and experiences on nutrition, health and the environment. At the Kitchen Table, we will help you see beyond the veil of our beliefs and our judgments of ourselves and others and see the world with wonder and wisdom as if for the first time our guest speakers will open new doors to understanding of the magic of life and our bodies nutrition is not the only way to health our mind and soul needs nourishing and self-care too here we will share methods and tools that are traditional to our ancestral heritage and laws of nature of the land seek and you shall find that magic in our everyday lives open your heart and mind and you will find the truth of your purpose the root of all matter and energy this is where you find meaning rest and stillness grab a cup of warmth and love, find a comfortable place to relax and tune in today's podcast at The Kitchen Table. Hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm wanting to introduce our next guest to The Kitchen Table. Her name is Sammy Zeko and she is a wild and daring fermentation revivalist. She is a workshop facilitator, presenter, speaker nutritional researcher, foodie, wild weed forager, mother, counsellor and an owner at Fermenting Australia. Sammy has a background in nutritional medicine and natural health. She is based on the Central Coast, New South Wales and runs fermenting workshops all over New South Wales and Queensland. Her passion is to teach and share the wonderful and fascinating world of fermented food in a way that is accessible, easy and fun. Her workshops are energetic, informative, and dynamic. She has been a guest presenter at a number of high-profile food sustainability and health events around Australia. She is also a professional guest on the Gut Solution Documentary Series, an international documentary released in February 2019. Sammy is also one half of the Gut Warriors, a dynamic duo who travel around the country teaching sell-out gut health seminars. Sammy teaches extensively about the human microbiome, traditional food and ancestral wisdom to support gut health and, of course, fermented foods. Sammy also has a diploma in counselling and runs her own holistic counselling private practice. She is passionate about supporting her clients to integrate physical health with emotional, mental and spiritual health. She is also a professional funeral celebrant. Having experienced extensive grief and and trauma in her life and being diagnosed and subsequently overcome complex PTSD, Sammy knows firsthand the challenges that life can throw at us and how to overcome them with bravery and dignity. It is her mission to support others as they heal and grow. Sammy is a qualified shamanic practitioner and Reiki practitioner and has had extensive experience working with clients on a soul level. She has facilitated numerous shamanic rituals and ceremonies, including sweat lodges and working with the medicine wheel and with labyrinths. Sammy is an is- initiated member of SOTAMS, Spirit of the Earth Medicine Society. Sammy lives life to the full, fueled with energy and health from ancestral and fermented foods. She's also a qualified and experienced doula, which is birth support, infant massage instructor, swimming teacher, and dive master. Sammy is a solo mum to her beautiful nine-year-old boy, Jem. He is a potent reminder of the gift and responsibility of raising a vibrant, empathic, conscious child. Jem is also her continued inspiration for living sustainably and treading softly on the earth. She believes that we have borrowed this earth from our children and her life and business reflects that philosophy. Hi, Savi. Hello. So excited to have you on board The Kitchen Table. Thank Thank you. you. It's it's great to be here. It's a beautiful place and what a great chance to to chat. And we're actually sitting at my kitchen table, so it's
1: pretty special. Well, it's really cool because when you first told me about this podcast called The Kitchen Table, I thought that was such a beautiful name. And then when you've invited me to do this, we're sitting at your kitchen table with the most beautiful view and it just I think it's just going to be conducive to beautiful kitchen mm. table conversations. conversations.
0: Well, you know, this came about because I think, well, Sammy and I have been on a few little roadies but not um, enough because I love roadie tripping <laughs> with Sammy. And the conversations we have are so incredible that we just want to we go, we should have recorded that, we should have recorded that. So today... We are going to have some really So we cool... just need to pretend that we're driving yeah, because yeah. we have the most profound
1: stories when we drive. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: we're driving right now and yeah, in yeah. our minds. And well, just... you can visualise. Yeah, okay, yeah. I can yeah. Do that. You can visualise. Awesome. But can I say, you know, I attended one of Sammy's um, fermenting classes last year for the first time. I've been wanting to for so long. I thought, oh, you know, I know what she does and visited her home a few times, saw her ferments. I'm like, oh, and I love doing mine. I was like oh, no, I I know enough to do a fair But then I went, no, I've got to go to one of Sammy's classes. (laughs) And, oh, my gosh, I sat there the whole workshop and felt deeply, madly in love. Like your world, I just fell into your world and I was just, I was gobsmacked with information and your heart felt, you know, bacteria. You know, you talked about bacteria in such a beautiful way and your love of life and just that. Connection we have with food, um, just with living and choices, and with community because the community that you've created on the coast and wherever you go, it's just yeah. you know the people. You're, I'm I'm your tribe. Like I'm, I'm so glad I've met you. So oh, I'm so well, so thankful mutual. you're here today at my kitchen table. <laughs> well, welcome to my world
1: as well of <laughs> bacteria and fermentation and, and and tribe and connection. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I'm incredibly grateful too. Mm-hmm. I think everywhere I, I go. Um, I tend to, you know, consciously and intentionally um, bring in the most profound, beautiful people into my life, um, and you know, you're one of them. And there's, you know, so many people that I could talk about who have just had such a huge uh, and beautiful impact on me, and that's, um, you know, that's something that I am very, very grateful for. Very yeah. lucky to
0: have. Yeah. Well, your energy resonates so much. I mean, your smile, you radiate so much energy, <laughs> and every time you put out a project you're doing or something. Oh my gosh, what's Emmy doing? It must be so cool because you know I love what you are and what you stand for. (laughs) Oh, but anyway, anyway, I could talk about you like this, or you know, let's. But let's move on. Let's move on. Anyway, I wanted to know how. Um, how did you get into this fermenting world? Because that's where we'll start. You Mm. know, there's so many things we can all talk about today, but the fermenting world. That's how I've got to know you. Yeah. When did that all start? And how? What? How did this world appear? And and yeah it's, it's funny because I've been running my business. So
1: fermenting Australia is my business. And I've been running that for oh, I think nearly eight years now actually I think it is eight years now. but I guess I was kind of gradually and subtly introduced to fermentation you know a few times prior to that to you know my interest in fermentation really taking off. Um, I think I've actually been fermenting personally for 12, 13, 14 years myself um but I remember a few times you know how sometimes in life you get introduced to something and then you kind of you're not quite ready for it or you're not quite ready to hear the message so you go okay thanks but no thanks and then you get introduced to something again and you go oh I've heard of that before okay but mm, no too hard basket or not interested basket yeah, yeah. and then you know the third or fourth time you're like okay I'm listening all right this, there's obviously something in this yeah. um so that was kind of my experience of fermentation um I remember years and years ago I was studying nutrition and I was looking into lots of different dietary practices and things mm. for my study, and um, one of them was macrobiotic diets. And I think it was, you know, back in the day when, like, Gwyneth Paltrow was, you know, <laughs> eating macrobiotics. So it was kind of, you know, in the, I guess, a little bit in my awareness. It's something that I was familiar with somewhat. And a big part of macrobiotic diets was mm. fermentation. Mm. And I remember going, oh, well, that's the too hard part, so I'll forget about that part of it and do the rest. Yeah. Um, but learning more and more that, you know, when you look at any of these sort of different sort of dietary practices, you know, you've, everything has its place. Everything's yeah. quite important. And that, that fermentation aspect is actually incredibly important, part yeah. of that macrobiotic diet. So I'd sort of, yeah, so that was the first time I think I'd ever really come across that concept. Um, and then I was sort of reintroduced to it a few more times. And then I met Graham Sait, who's the founder of Nutrotech Solutions, mm-hmm. and he, uh, at a, a festival that we organised years and years ago, a big um, a climate change sort of um, eco-festival, um, and he was talking about fermentation and he was talking about how, how easy it is to make sauerkraut in big buckets in your garage. And I went, oh, that's a bit weird, but okay, cool, thanks. Put that in the interesting but weird kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, box. And then finally, the more and more research I was doing into health and nutrition, it it just sort of kept coming into Mm. my awareness. So I knew that there was something there that needed to be listened to. I was being shaken to listen Mm -hmm. to it. Um, And and so I guess I started to pursue it. I thought, well, it can't be so hard. I guess I'll just give it a go. And I'm one of those people who just jumps in and gives things a go. And if it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, even better because I guess there's a lesson there Mm -hmm. and I tend to only you know make the same mistake once usually so <laughs> anything that doesn't work i see it as a, as a positive yeah, as well yeah. um and yeah just started fermenting for myself and for my family and a few of my friends used to say like you know what is this fermenting thing you're doing is that because you're polish and i was like well you know i guess it's part of my ancestry but no it's it's something that i'm just really fascinated by um and then people started asking for me to teach them i think it started to be come more in I guess the collective awareness Mm. um about the importance of fermentation and we're still going back to 10 years here this is Mm. before it became such a common uh, thing in our vocabulary Um, so I just started running small classes and my first class I think my first class was actually here on the central coast but I was living in the Manning Valley at the time on an off-grid property growing my own food fermenting my own vegetables you know growing daikons as long as my arm to ferment and I ran a class up there as well and that filled out, filled up in about, you know, as soon as I launched the class. So I ran another one and another one and then I went, oh, this isn't just a hobby. This is a, mm. a, a huge gap um, in people's, I guess, knowledge base mm. and a huge gap in people's diet mm. and a huge gap in people's health jigsaw puzzle and... Yeah. Um, and the feedback started rolling in from people who'd attended my classes about, you know, the health conditions that mm-hmm. really helped, their, their kids' behavior, their kids' digestion, their, their, you know, their skin conditions, all these things. Um, and so, you know, with the background of my own in kind of health and nutrition, I realized that there's, there's something really important here. Mm. um so i've just been digging deeper and deeper down the fermentation you know rabbit hole for the last so, 10 or 12 years and um and it's been a fantastic journey mm. <laughs> it's been really really interesting
0: yeah well that's you know learning about fermentation and about you know the gaps diet and how bacteria in our gut function and how it really you know it sustains our own life and know many you know we still do i suppose view bacteria as the enemy the baddie and we Mm. want to treat it we want to kill it off with antibiotics we want to you know hammer it and get Mm. annihilated but actually by doing that we're creating an ill and a dis-ease in our community within our bodies and within you know the systems of farming you know it goes Mm. it it goes goes a long chain of events but to learn about how our gut. Functions mm. that blew my mind, and mm. you know that's how I've delved into the fermenting because you know it's that na- natural death life. We were only talking about that pre-recording, yes. you know that beautiful s- nutrient cycle and life cycle of death feeds life, life feeds death. You know it's just that, and yes. that's what bacteria and our gut, our immune. It's just all, and that's it. And so, I, I love
1: that, and, I, and I'm like you to like I've become over these incredibly um philosophical about mm. fermentation and about bacteria and life and. You know, I'd love to share this a bit more in a moment, but talking about fermentation as a metaphor for life and all these wonderful things. But at its foundation, you know, and I guess it's our, its reductionist foundation, um, you know, it's just all about bacteria. Yeah. And we have this, this cultural programming that bacteria is bad and yeah. needs to be eliminated without, you know, hand sanitizers and our yeah. 99.99% antibacterial yeah. sprays. But what's happened is the more that we've done that, the more that we've actually, you know, significantly damaged our, our microbiomes, our gut microbiome, our skin microbiome. Yes. Our, like you say, our soils and our mm. environments, um, and we've got this thing you know called the hygiene hypothesis, mm. where the cleaner we've got, the more sanitised we've become, um, the sicker we've
0: become. Yeah. So we've yeah. had this
1: explosion globally of autoimmune diseases, mm. asthma, eczema, allergies, intolerances, and things like that yeah. because we've eliminated these microbes yeah. um, that are in
0: fact incredibly beneficial and mm. really really important it's like we've had this misunderstanding of relationship with we're Who's only yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah with you know with the, the technology we've got and the research and the science and the the microscopes that actually can see and name all these new microbes it's incredible mm. so we're actually learning from our mistakes mm. so that we can create new beginnings. Again. Absolutely.
1: So I always really encourage people to instead of like, you know, if if you're still of the mindset, you know, that bacteria is bad and needs to be eliminated. I always, when, if people come to my class, I say, you know, suspend your cultural programming at least for the next three <laughs> hours. You know, yeah. come along with me on this microbial adventure. Yeah. I promise you, you'll be okay and, in fact, you'll um, really benefit on the other side. Mm. But instead of destroying our microbes, I really encourage people to look at ways to rewild their mm. microbiome. So to add back. and diversity. Diversity. Yeah, that
0: diversity. is nasty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is what diversity. we say at the same time so, as
1: well driven by life and it's exciting yeah it is and, and you know just the same way out nutrient diversity is
0: important
1: you know uh, ecological diversity is important microbial diversity is important as well so um rewilding our microbiome with, with fermented foods with with so- your healthy soils with yeah. your healthy workspaces and home spaces mm. um body products all those types of things um is incredibly important yeah yeah and i think you know our humanity is really on this precipice where we can go either way with, with our, our global health. Yeah. And I think this is a really important part in in regaining our health.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's really empowering ourselves to heal ourselves instead of putting the control outside us through other practitioners. Um, but Our body is so nately geared mm. and wired to heal. If we mm. give it the right climate, environment, and understanding and trust so you know through you know our conversations and you know we get I get goosebumps the whole time I right? hope you guys are too but it's you know it's that balance of life and having in you know and that is sometimes overwhelming how do you create a balance within yourself I think you know there's so many facets to um to living a balanced life it's not just through the food you eat but you know it's a big one because our immune system you, know, you can explain better than me, but it's where I'm, you know, our gut system mm. is where immunity comes from. Our hormones, our, how things are recycled—it's just, you know, in, an incredible, incredible system within us.
1: Oh, but such an important system. Mm. That's so true. And they say, you know, up to seventy to eighty percent of our immune system is based in the gut. Mm. You know, um, you know, we talk about the gut-brain axis—the connection between yeah, yeah. our gut and our mental health. So we're up to ninety percent of our serotonin neurotransmitters. Mm. Uh, based in the gut as well, so our feel good hormones. You know, it really is just so so an important foundation. Mm. Um, and we talk about kind of finding balance in our systems. It's well, let's start let's start there. And I find once people have like a gut rebalance, mm. microbial rebalance, a lot of these other things start to fall into place. Yeah. And partly because you just start to feel better. Like if you feel sick, bloated horrible in the gut it's just nothing goes nothing feels good um but when you have that that kind of that primal kind of feel good health and that base gut feeling Mm -hmm. um things just start to you can think straight you can make healthier decisions you can make rational decisions you can um, I believe, access, you know, a higher sense of, of knowledge because we've sort of cleared that channel between like our gut and, you know, mm. our pineal gland and and spirit as well as like our mental health as well. Yeah. So it's such a great foundation to to finding balance. Mm.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and it's looking at life, you know, when we look at ourselves as an organism within our own ecosystem and you look at how life is birthed and you know how our children are birthed through that canal. Not all, you know. Not saying you know that everyone has to will be able to go through that channel, mm. but you know, we sort of um, are fearful of you know the yuckiness of mm. our fluids. Our but that is what um, mm. contains all these bacteria. And you know, for a child to be birthed through a canal, they get the rebirth in their immune system that they need for life.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, Even through the breastfeeding, you know, the bacteria within our breast milk and, you know, and just the colostrum and it's just... An incredible magical world that not a lot of us know about mm-hmm. and
1: it's and like these things aren't by chance like our body doesn't have the, the systems and the processes that it has just randomly mm-hmm. you know um like you say as a baby comes down at some mother's birth canal it takes a mouthful of her yeah, like yeah. vaginal flora yeah. and it actually sets up it's microbiome for life mm-hmm. and i always say this is no judgment of women who birth by cesarean yeah. but The difference is when you compare the microbiomes and the immune systems and the long-term immune health of babies who are born vaginally compared to babies born by caesarean, it's incredibly different. Mm -hmm. Um, And, again, these other things like early skin-to-skin, breastfeeding, colostrum, actually helps set up our baby's microbiomes. Yeah, letting them touch things and
0: their fingers in their mouths, you know, we're trying to sanitize them. Don't touch that or don't eat off the floor or don't touch that dirt. And
1: instinctively babies put everything in their mouths for a reason. Yeah. You know, when babies are, um, children who are born with pets in their lives, Mm. the first, I think, one to two years of their life actually have a significant um, decreased chances of allergies uh, into adulthood. So, again, all these systems all play a really important role. Um, I love, like, bodily fluid. (laughs) I love, like, I love all the disgusting part of life. Like, I love the blood and the guts and all that kind of stuff because that's life, you know. And You say, like, living takes life, you know, where, um, you know, I would also argue that we're we're highly spiritual beings and highly evolved Mm. conscious beings but we're also humans and we're also animals and you know we bleed we we shit we do all those things and to shy away from that side of things I think is really doing ourselves a disservice definitely yeah. so I really love to go back to that really primal connection that Mm. we have with our our bodies and our bodily functions Mm. and our 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 soil and our you know our animals and Mm. all those things that work as one yeah you can't deny that that part of us exists yeah. um and you can't deny i think i don't think you can not talk about it either no.
0: um but you can't be scared of it
1: yeah because our bodily function our body systems that play really important roles mm. and they're not a mistake
0: no yeah yeah nature does not it, it it's so beautifully designed that it knows how to be
1: mm. but
0: that's where i sort of get a little you know overwhelmed of how do humans you know we're not born in that, you know, we're not born with this wisdom of. Well, do you think we're not? Think I we're think just... we are, but I think we do suppress it somehow. Yeah. We're conditioned in our societal beliefs that like we gain these beliefs that then drive our behaviors. And then it just, you know, our first seven years of our life really pr- pre program us yeah. for our future life. Yeah. So we're run, as humans, we're run by these childhood beliefs yeah. all our life. Yeah. And we don't even challenge them. Yeah. But we're not taught to either, unless. Something gently pushes us yes. along, you know, the oh. energy of life. And yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah, or also gently pushes us sometimes, was, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, we were talking about life, death and, you know, um, going back to when my mother passed away, you know, experiencing death for the first time is quite an experience. And I think I was, I was in a good space to really observe the emotions that were with me and allow that grief and um, that loss, but also to see it for what it was, you know, mm-hmm. that my mom passed, but that's the cycle of life. We we all die, but what are we what are we here for in this time and utilizing the hours of the day to create and benefit community? Mm-hmm. But you know that gift that someone can give you mm-hmm. in death, and I that's think that's amazing. even through pets, you know, through a pot plant, you know, you, you know everything can gift you something in that moment.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree, and I think we have.
0: When we look and look, let's be honest, we don't we don't live as cavemen anymore.
1: We live in yeah. very modern lives. So, you know, we've got to be, you know, respectful and understanding of, of how we're living. But I think every day we are given on some level, um, I guess an experience of decay and destruction and death. Like you say, mm-hmm. whether it is, you know, a, a pot plant or a pet your kid's pet goldfish or yeah, yeah. you know, or on a bigger level, you know, mm-hmm. a loved one that passes or or is sick or is, you know, experiencing something that is, you know, representing some kind mm. of decay or destruction um it's a reminder that you know living takes life living takes death we're all part of this cycle yeah we can't actually deny it we can't actually step outside of it mm. um whether it's you know looking at you know the cycles in our soil the cycles with our connection with with um, animals and with, with plants and with other parts of our global systems um but we have to be okay with them, mm. and like you say, talking about the death of loved ones—you know, this is a lot of work that I do as well as a counsellor. You know, I'm a trained funeral celebrant. Um, I work in grief a lot. Um, while it can be, you know, an incredibly difficult experience for anybody to go through something like that, um, the gift often on the other side is is really, really precious, mm. and sometimes it is the gift of just knowing how precious life is mm. and that we're all part of it mm. and every moment's precious and yeah but we, yeah we get we get reminders
0: of that constantly yeah, yeah. and watching you evolve you know i've known you hmm, what a couple of years, yeah
1: and seeing we, you evolve, we fanned on yeah. each other for a long time i know how
0: did i fan on you or how did i find you and what was that first connection i think i just He's like, You're Sammy from fermenting Australia. <laughs> 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 You're Sammy from an alien But watching you evolve, you know everything has its place on your journey. You know, going through, you know, living on the land—that would have been an incredible experience. Mm. Seeing, you know, um, that v- vulnerability on the land—you know—it mm. teaches you so many lessons. Like so much. that, where you are in nature, where you are, um, how you walk on this world. And then you've evolved, you know seeing life and the ferments of vegetables and seeing how life works on that cellular level too, and then coming into you know working with people around grief and counseling and um, ancestral healing, and then moving into an energetic healing. You know I just love it. it just all ties in so beautifully.
1: Yeah, thank you. yes, it, it it does. And to me it it seems like a lot of different. Modalities, but I guess what you told me before we were recording was really nice. It's like it's just it's just evolution, and that's the way I see it. As as you can't deny, you can't be all over one concept without evolving into mm. the next. Um, and so for me, yeah, look, I agree. Every, everything is so um, intrinsically linked, mm. so you can't help but look at you know your your you know my my basis was through like nutrition, and so you know physical health, mm. gut health is really kind of human kind of stuff. And when you start to look at that, you start to go, okay, well, this is is incredibly important. This is the foundation. We're animals and we need to look at our physical health, our 3D health. And then you go, okay, well, what about that connection between gut health and our mental health? Mm. And what if that's not enough? What if we carry with us our stories and our experiences and our imprinting? What if we carry our traumas with us? What if we carry our emotion inside of our body and suddenly no amount of, you know, good food or supplementation or anything is actually going to clear that emotional trauma that holds us back. So I started to really work, you know, I work as a holistic counsellor and through my own personal experience but through my training as well and and my experience as a practitioner with um, emotional trauma and how we can clear that to move forward in our lives. And then suddenly we go, well, we're not just emotional beings, we're spiritual beings as well. So what if it's not just emotional trauma? What if there's an ancestral trauma? What if there's soul loss? Mm. What if on a soul level there's something else? What if we're upgrading and activating and evolving and trying to find ourselves purpose? What if we've got to go back to heal those blockages that, you know, are happening, I guess, a systemic sort of constellation kind of way where our our families, there's a great book called It Didn't Start With You, and we repeat a lot of the patterns of our family Mm. and they say that patterns repeat until someone's prepared to feel them and to move through and to Mm. clear them. So suddenly we've got all these different ways that we can look at our health and our personal evolution.
0: It connects mind, body, spirit, doesn't it? Does. it? It's mind, body, spirit it connection. It does,
1: not and I don't think you can have one without the mm-hmm. other. And I mean, that's certainly, I guess, my you know viewpoint, my lens that I look through. But when you look at things on all those different levels, you know, we can really achieve. I think a big picture view of health, mm-hmm. and sometimes it doesn't always mean that. It certainly doesn't mean that life's just going to be easy and a breeze, and you can yeah. go, "Yep, yeah, great tick, done yeah. that." <laughs> let's move on. It means it's time to really, really look deep. Mm-hmm. And I find when we can start to look deep ourselves, we can start to look deep into others. You know, mm. when you can heal yourself, you can heal others. When you can heal yourself, you can heal community. Mm. When you can heal community, you can heal the world. So I think, you know, it's so important to start to look on all those different levels. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of, for me, a lot of my, my training as a shamanic practitioner, as an energy healer, um, and look, without sounding wanky, this is work I've done for thousands of lifetimes. It just feels so, it feels so natural yeah. to do that. And to tap into that innate knowing and knowledge, um, but to be able to access that and to to pass it on to others um, is a real gift. No, it certainly Yeah. Is. Wow. Good. Hope, hope I haven't lost your listeners. Oh at this no! Point. I'm
0: just like in love. Like that's just you know because I suppose you know you go down this path. We have similar paths, and um, you know you you read or you. Connect like Bruce Lipton, you know, biology of belief, and you read his stuff, you go, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. and Joe Dispenza, and you've got um you know, some people may not know Jack Cruz, and yeah. there's, you know, you delve, go down these rabbit holes, I and do. it opens up these worlds, and you cannot unlearn this stuff, and it it makes
1: sense. And once once you know them all, they're all connected. So even so, Dr. Jack Cruz, for example, you mentioned, he talks a lot about physical stuff. Yeah, like it's a our, physics guy. He's real. a physics guy. He's a science guy. And mm. you can't talk about the science without the spirituality. Mm. And what we're learning more and more and something I'm really passionate about is, is being evidence-based and being science-based but starting to bridge that gap between science and spirituality. And I think that's where a lot of our research is really going. You know, uh, looking at uh david hawkins like power versus force and looking at sort of recalibrating our um our energetic um energy responses through our different emotions and things these things can actually be quantified mm. and that's the power mm. that's the the i think the power spot in our in
0: our lives yeah there's a lot of um scientists who are really looking at the the real cellular level. They understand the cellular level, but but they also understand the energy level because we're all light, light um, energy beings. Mm. You know, we're designed to be living outdoors. We've got the sun up there. You know, this earth was created and we were created on this earth. We've come from this earth. So Mm. we're all part of this earth. So the sun the energy that our earth emits, you know, it's a magnetic energy and we're part of that magnetic energy. You look at our heartbeat, the rhythms our,
1: transference our brain of and energies and
0: just having all those energies resonate and with, you know, the earth's energy, you know, walking barefoot, feeling that energy and, and conducting that through being in the ocean and the ions and walking through the nature and breathing in those microbes off the plants and the soil, you know, it's just... Totally. This world is just, yeah. But all
1: those things you're talking about, Sue, like, you know, groundbreaking stuff like walking barefoot or <laughs> so you know, going into nature, like, whoa, it's, it's not like <laughs> us, it's like, high-end science, yeah, yeah. you know. It's actually what people have done for thousands of generations. Naturally. It's naturally, it's naturally what if we actually stop and listen to what our bodies need or what, what actually calms us, connects us, you know, makes us feel good, they're the things that we're actually drawn to. Mm. And so I guess anthropologically, if that's the word, um, something that's always fascinated me is looking at traditional societies and what they've always mm. done. We've just got the science now that sort of catches up with, you know, what people have done instinctively and intrinsically throughout thousands of generations, yeah. uh, you know, connecting to connecting to the earth, connecting mm. to food, connecting to, you know, our systems, our animals, our plants, whether it's, you know, shamanically or just, you know, being connected yeah, to, spiritually, our, to the
0: animals that yes. you're living with or even eating, you know, it's that spiritual well, Just connection. instinctively.
1: Yeah. That's right. Mm. Um And so now, you know, our lives are just so busy and so Mm. overwhelming and we've got so many different stimuli, but really if we just go back to what's what's nature and where we're meant to be, Mm. um, I think we naturally somehow
0: reach that end goal by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, looking at our evolution, you know, we've been around what, how many thousands and thousands of years? People debate, you know, how long humans have been on this earth. But when we look at the technology we've got today, you know, the agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution, they weren't that long ago, and how it's changed societal, how we eat, how we communicate, how our communities live, technologies on this incredible, you know, just it, it so quickly evolves that I don't even think the technology that we've got today has even been tested on, you know, the health of our system. And it's, mm. I think it's all an experiment and, where's it going but going back to you know through the western a price you know this um incredible guy that you know i've come across he was a dentist and you're talking mm-hmm. about traditional eating traditional living and he's he his research was groundbreaking it was in
1: 1940s 1930s yeah yeah and so uh, yeah that's one of the I guess one of my food philosophies and nutritional philosophies mm. comes back to that kind of wisdom. So I'd love to share a bit about that mm. because again, go it's there. kind of <laughs> let's go down that let's path. Go down. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and so that's one of the things where. Um, Going with what was ins- what humans have done instinctively for thousands of generations in terms of food and nutrition, you know, is now we've got science going. Yeah, well, actually, that kind of is what makes sense, and that is actually you know, the way people, will, you know, function optimally mm. is by, by looking back at these things. So, I was I, I've been involved with the Weston A. Price Foundation for about ten years now, and it's based on the re- the work and the research of Dr. Weston A. Price, and he was a dentist from Ohio in the um, living in about the 1930s. And he was a fascinating man. You know that question they say: if you could invite you know someone alive or dead for dinner, you know who would it be? Uh, he would definitely be at my kitchen table because <laughs> I. Love I that. That's a cool question. I yeah. should ask in the future. Who would you have at your yeah. kitchen table? Uh, and he would be number one at my kitchen table. He'd certainly be there. Yeah. Um, I would be really excited to to find out more about oh, him and yeah. his life yeah. and what drove him. But this amazing man uh, and his wife Florence uh, traveled all over the world during mm-hmm. the 1930s, looking at traditional diets and people who are living in isolated communities who had not yet been, you know, um, what he had said didn't have the foods of modern convenience. And he lived in this fascinating time in history and we're just so lucky that this. So Dr. Weston A. Price lived in this really, really fascinating time in history and we're so lucky that we had this sort of window in the 1930s where he could do this in that Travel was available and accessible to him. Um, and I always say that. And then I actually have to stop and think what it actually would have been like to have traveled all over the world in the 1930s. And in fact, it took him weeks on boats and, you know, traveling at a very slow rate. You don't just jump on a plane. The conditions and, and, and the conditions. The and this man, if you see a photo of him, he doesn't look like a very um, intrepid traveler. He looks quite, you know, he's got little of small stature and this little bald head and these little glasses. And, um, and yet he travelled all over the world so that, you know, he was obviously very driven in what he was doing and the research that he was doing. And so he travelled from places like he went to um, the South Pacific Islands. He was looking at uh, Indigenous cultures in Australia. He was looking in New Zealand. He was looking in Africa as well. He, he documented the Maasai tribe, particularly in Africa. He was in Scotland in the New Hebrides. He went to the Swiss Alps, isolated communities deep in the mountains of the Swiss Alps. Um, He was in South America as well. He was looking after the Inuit cultures in sort of the northern parts of Europe as well. So Mm. he got a real snapshot. Definitely. All around the world. Yeah. Um, And I guess the other fascinating time in history was that it was a time where travel was available, although hard, um, but there were people in all these tribal communities who were still living in isolated communities and not Yet eating modern mm. foods, okay. Some of them hadn't even seen, you know, sort of white people or mm. colonizers or anything like that. Very much living in their own traditional tribal ways. So we're so lucky that he was able to sort of find these people and, and research and document them. Mm. And the fact that he had you know photography available to him and the, the technology that allowed him to mm. really document yeah. them is um, absolutely fascinating as well. Yeah. So if you, you guys ever get a chance to look at some of his work. He wrote, um, his, his Bible that he wrote was called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, mm-hmm. which is I've a bit of in. a mouthful. Oh
0: it's a good, have you read it? Yeah, oh, not all of it, but yeah. snippets, yeah.
1: It, it's not really, I'll put you to sleep because it's heavy reading, um, but it is fascinating yeah. and it's got all those really iconic photos that he took mm-hmm. of people, particularly because he was a dentist. He documented people's head teeth mm-hmm. uh, specifically and, and other you know, facial structures and in general sort of markers of, of physical health. But you know, we say that our teeth are a window to our our, our health, our mm. body's health. Um, and some of the photos of, of people all over the world you know, eating a traditional diet, living in their traditional ways, and their teeth are fantastic. And you've seen those photos, they are white, they're clean. All these people didn't have toothbrushes and all these, you know, mouthwashes and all these things, but their teeth are perfect, they haven't lost any teeth, they've got perfectly wide dental arches, the, bridge the bridges are beautiful. Which you know represents a wide facial structure, which shows a healthy bone structure, which shows healthy mineralization of the body, which you know represents healthy brain structure, healthy yeah. skull structure, brain. healthy breathing. Yeah. They don't have these narrow. They're not you know mouth breathers. They yeah. na- have
0: these nice wide nasal passages. I'm just, yeah. Just interrupt mm. because I don't want you to lose your – Go. But my daughter, um, looking at orthodontics, and um, went down this path, and I didn't even think of it when I was – I thought, oh, I've got to go braces, get the quotes. And then it dawned on me the weston Price method, mm. and I found a dentist. I'm very blessed on the Central Coast that there is a functional dentist, yes. Stephen Lynn, mm-hmm. who does this functional dentistry. And so we decided to go down this path because he's all about the functionality of our, our body yes. and – and going to the core of widening your your bridge and bringing bringing aligning it also cuz Kayla is a, a mouth breather. Yes. So it's opening it up so she can breathe through her nose. It's incredible, amazing. Isn't so, it? yeah, it was just an incredible experience to go through that in family.
1: Yes. Mm. And I think that's another example Sue, of, you know, modern functional dentistry. Mm i um, not saying it's all founded from Weston A. Price's research, but a lot of it comes back from that, is looking at, you know, what what is normal, healthy, unadulterated physicality yeah. um, and what should it look like? Yeah. And what happens to humans, you know, right or wrong, you know, no judgment, but once we start to have these these modern processed foods, yeah. these unnatural, you know, uh, influences on us, mm. whether it's sort of, you know, EMFs or nutritional or things that are causing inflammation and problems, yeah. demineralisation of our, mm-hmm. our bones and our, our, yeah. our organ systems. So that's, yeah, so that's a really interesting foundation. Mm, it's looking at
0: the, how our body functions, really mm-hmm. you know, getting curious. So something comes up, a whisper that you've got a headache or what, you know, you know, you go, okay, so what is the functionality? What, what is my mm-hmm. body telling me? So it's more getting curious, but mm-hmm. opening up through these incredible people and reading and researching and doing own mm-hmm. stuff.
1: I love that. And that's something I use a lot with people. It's like be curious. Yeah. You know, if you're feeling sick, don't get upset. Don't yeah. get don't feel like your body's failing you. Go, well, I'm curious. I wonder what it's trying to tell me right now. Obviously mm-hmm. something. Yeah. You know, why is it giving me this signal that something's at yeah. you, why there's some kind of dis-ease in yeah. my body, you know? Let let's look to the bot to the bottom of, of why I'm getting this symptom, which is just a little cry from my body going, Hey, I need a bit of attention love over oh, yeah. here. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, I
0: sure. look at the nutrient because I think it's the same um, passage that you're gonna go through is we're finding that we're in a eating foods that are, that don't have the nutrients. So a lot of our illnesses stem from nutrient deficiencies mm. because the food, our soils are being tarnished with chemicals, glyphosate, and tilled, and the bacteria systems are being depleted. So our food is losing its nutrients. So then mm. we're not getting the nutrients because our body don't have the nutrients. It doesn't function and creates this disease, inflammation. And through Western A price, he saw all this how we get our nutrients through our foods. Mm. What foods, saturated fats, animal products. Yeah. It, there's a whole base of where we get our nutrients from. Absolutely. But you know, going through, you know, I love what you're talking about um, with the, the symmetry of our body and it's you know, mm-hmm. the internal I didn't even know that, you know, yeah. the internal symmetry. Well, you recorded that part, yeah, I know. I tell you all yeah, about yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like and that's,
1: that's a lot of what he was talking mm-hmm. about, is looking at the kind of foods that people were eating. Mm. And what he also found is so he had these beautiful specimens of, of people in vibrant health um, eating traditional diets. Yeah. And what he then recorded was people who had either moved to villages or towns or had um, influences of modern foods, of modern conveniences, mm-hmm. so sugar, white flour products, all these types well, of things, they're not
0: chewing as much, they're do. not it's chewing the foods as much. So no. Their
1: jaw structure changes, yeah. they're, they're nutrient depleted in mm. their foods. And what happened within one generation is that they started to decline quite rapidly mm. in health. And so, you can even see the photos of what he's documented people who've moved, you know, have babies, and the next generation, their their dental arches are narrow, their facial structure is narrow, their teeth are crowded, they have more physical deformities, mm. more problems. Um, And that's just within one generation. Mm. So it starts to turn on its head the idea that genetics are what causes our problems and, in fact, it's these external influences, our food, our environment, that actually can have a huge, you know, Mm. epigenetic kind of um, influence on us. And so it's just whether we're giving our bodies the right things to express full health. Mm. And so what Weston A. Price discovered is that people all over the world, because he travelled, you know, like I said, to quite some diverse places eat a really, really wide and varied diet, okay? So the Massai in Africa, for example, ate primarily, you know, a diet that was the blood and the meat of their beasts and the milk of their beasts. Uh, people, if they're in like a northern, like the Inuit kind of areas, would have specifically diets that were like 90% saturated fat, whale blubber, seal blubber, things like that. Not many um, plant products at all, if any. He saw some more, some societies that were more plant-based, one of the things that he was actually looking for was to see if he could find an exclusively vegetarian or vegan culture, and he did not find one anywhere. So even cultures that were had more plants, you know, plant-based diets, they would still um, go out of their way to seek, you know, eggs, insects, seafood, mm. and things like that.
0: Well, even when you're eating, you know, in those days, you're being eating. Organic foods, which we label and they have to label as organic, but that's what Just we like were eating. You know. But yeah. when you're eating those plants, you're eating the bacteria the and microbes, the microbes yeah. in the soil, the bits of bugs and things. So you're getting that protein with your plant. I you know, it's agree. Mixed protein. That's
1: it. And and all those benefits mm. as well. And then not to mention, like you say, that nutrient density in these these foods mm. that they were eating, because they were grown on like um they had special farming practices, you know, where they I know in Scotland in the New Hebrides, some islands off Scotland, for example, uh, there was a story where they used to put fires in their homes to warm their homes, and that would the smoke would go into the roof, into the the, the thatching in the roof. Mm with a really strong kind of alkaline ash, and then then put that thatching onto their gardens to grow their oats. So that would increase the nutrients of the soil, okay? So Mm. even the systems that they were traditionally and instinctively had probably done for thousands of generations was actually maintaining the health of the soil Mm. and maintaining the nutrient density of the foods that they were eating. Mm, Not only that, you know, they were eating things like they were preparing their foods properly, so um soaking or uh, activating sprouting or fermenting or leavening you know their grains their nuts their seeds and things like that so that they could make those nutrients more bioavailable so these traditional methods of preparing their foods were really important to all these cultures they you know would seek out um and the Swiss, for example, would seek out uh, raw milk and, and butter churn from the cows that were eating the green grass in spring, you know, really high in their omega-3s, really, really high, and these fat-soluble vitamins are really important for them. All cultures would eat, you know, grass-fed meats. They'd look to um, a lot of saturated fats, tallow from grass-fed cows and lard and things to cook their food in, these beautiful, stable fats, Unlike the things we have now, like you know, we have unstable. vegetable oils, unstable, mm. hydrogenated, you know, omega 6, very quick to oxidize and go rancid, kind of fat And, fats and, and oils, the process that of how the they extract. extract those oils, exactly, to very toxic. incredibly toxic and mm. cause so much inflammation. Mm. Weston A. Price looks specifically at these, what he calls these fat soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K, mm. particularly vitamin A and vitamin K. Um, I think he called uh, vitamin K activator X. He didn't know what it was, but he knew it was really important, and he noticed that every culture somehow had this special activator X that was somehow enhancing people's health. We now know that as vitamin mm. K2, found specifically and mostly in these animal foods, um, organ meats mm. and things like that as well. And then the vitamin A, of course, as well, again, really, really important, and very important nutrients found in a lot of these um, animal foods, fat-soluble foods, so egg yolks, butter, organ meats, and things like that. Now what we were mentioning before is um, that vitamin A, there's been some really interesting research on vitamin A, and it's where, you know, internally in our body we're asymmetrical, right, so our heart's on our left and our digestive system goes around, so we're uneven internally, but externally we are symmetrical. And even when we define our, you know, so our cultural perceptions of beauty, it's usually, you know, if you ever get the face of a supermodel and put some of those grids on them, you see that they're perfectly mm. symmetrical, and not just to say, oh, they're you know, visually beautiful, but what that generally represents and what we're we're honed in instinctively to be attracted to is symmetry, mm. and that's why we find those people beautiful. So externally, we're symmetrical. Mm. now vitamin a is a really really important vitamin that actually allows that kind of symmetry asymmetry Mm. kind of synergy to to happen and what happens is when we start to have foods that are nutrient deplete uh, we're not eating these fat soluble vitamins like vitamin a we're starting to get rid of things like you know liver and you know healthy grass-fed you know animal products from our diets is we start to see a decline in people's physical beauty Mm. So when you look at some of the photos that Dr. Weston A. Price took, the people who are eating these foods of modern conveniences actually would have physical deformities. So their facial structure starts to change, their, den- their, their dental arches start to narrow, their nasal passages narrow. Their, uh, for women, you know, their their hips mm. narrow and deform, and they can't have these healthy babies generation after generation without this kind of obstetric um, support yeah, as well. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So fascinating stuff Mm. Um, and the Western A Price Foundation is now a not-for-profit organisation based in the States Um, and it's really primarily about, um, I guess, supporting the work of Western A Price but in a modern sense as well. So they often call it like traditional food for a modern era Um, and making it work for people, Um, teaching people how to connect to their farmers, how to connect to, uh, you know, good sources of nutrient-dense food. Um, doing a lot of independent research away from um, any kind of pharmaceutical interests mm. and things into yeah. heart health and cholesterol that's health. That's important. I mean, the
0: independent yeah. research that's not funded.
1: Absolutely. Right. And the yeah. fact that this is a not-for-profit organisation, mm. a lot of their funding actually goes into paying independent researchers to do this uh, really important work. Yeah, definitely is. So I've been involved with the Western A Price Foundation for about 10 years, just sharing all of that information.
0: Because they have a great system where they, you can be a chapter for them in your community. So it's, you know, if you wanted to get to know more, you can um, go on the website and find your local chapter. That's right. Who can help with all this information of where you can get your food and, you know, it's connecting you in the community. Yeah,
1: and there's chapters all over the world, Mm. Western Price chapters all over the world. Um, We have quite a few in Australia Mm. as well and it's a great way to, yeah, you know, your chapter leaders will connect you to Mm. great local sources of these new traditional foods
0: and, and, um, you know, really help on all those levels of Mm. of health and community Mm. as well. One thing that stood out for me when I was learning all this because I've had a quite interesting journey with nutrition and foods and, yeah, changes How changes evolution. All? <laughs> but the one thing that really dawned on me, and it was a little aha moment, was, you know mm-hmm. how to, in today's way of eating we eat animal, but we only eat certain parts of those mm. animals. So when you go to the butcher, which oh, is probably have a more diverse range of animal products, but we all eat just a the muscle mm. so and that doesn't contain like that meat is not 100 protein mm-hmm. either depends on the quality of the meat but you know it's looking at um the nose to tail yeah. because that's you know you're respecting the animal because you're not just taking apart and eating that and then discarding the other part so it's all about eating the nose to tail. And that's, I when I learnt that, I went, it, that makes, it makes so sense. much
1: sense. It does. And like you say, I think that's a, a much more respectful way to do it. And I also think it's a much more uh, smart way if you know, we are going to eat animals. And I'm an advocate for it because I really do believe that we are animals. And I personally, I won't apologise for my biological need to consume meat, you know, and looking at different cultures around the world, people have always done so but I think it's important to do it respectfully and I think it's important to do it consciously Mm. and in a balanced way. And so that nose-to-tip approach, nose-to-tail approach has really become very popular Mm. because I think it's a way that really utilises the full beast and and you get all the nutrients and you get to utilise all parts of it. Yep. So in a lot of cultures around the world that actually <laughs> would often feed the muscle meats to the dogs mm-hmm. and keep all the organs for themselves. The bones, because that's where, the, the, bones. the
0: collagen, the gelatin. That's right. And that's you make the broths. That's, and that's right. That's where all the nutrients are in those bones, everything.
1: And in the organs, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the nutrients are. So, again, it's a lot of some, you know, suspending our cultural mm-hmm. programming again and starting to question, well, why... Is what we're doing the right approach or do we actually need to be taking a slightly different approach to things? Yeah. Um, and I think that makes a lot more sense. And when we look at the amino acid profiles and things as mm-hmm. well, those muscle meats are very high in the thionine and things, whereas mm-hmm. yeah, organ all, all meats have got much more sort of glycine yeah, and proline yeah, yeah. and things that can actually really help support the body to mm-hmm. detoxify as well. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so on a scientific level, yeah, again, yeah. It, it makes sense yeah. as well yeah well that was yeah for me that just learning all this stuff it's good and i think you know for me being plant-based predominantly mm. plant-based eater um because of you know i can't it's very hard to source foods that i would eat because of i don't approve or support industry mm. um so that's where i support my local growers mm. and i think that's important as an individual you can make change in your own in your own world in your own community and as a, a world well- wide change you know Mm. we all get overwhelmed with how can we make change Mm. but it's just in those day-to-day choices with what you put on your plate can dictate what you vote for for a healthier climate or community Mm. and it's just taking that responsibility in your own life you know go seek and go ask and meet people talk and just get out there and see who's in your community I love that and I think that's so true because
1: eating is one thing that defines all of us everybody mm. eats everyone it's in our eats. it's very common it's not like it's the weird <laughs> obscure thing that only one person in the community is doing you know it's just something that we all do every day and so if people say you know how can we make change well let's start with the thing that we do every day yeah. um and the things that everyone in our community does so why don't we start to look at more ethical food choices uh, asking our farms how things are growing, demanding that we yeah. have uh, better quality farming practices, yeah. better quality um, practices that support our, our soils and minimising, you know, chemicals yeah. and fertilisers, pesticides in our foods. You know, if we're going to be eating meat, eating, you know, sustainable meat, meat that's, you know, being raised ethically um, so that we can do that in a much more
0: sustainable way. Oh, life. yeah, it's a, yeah. for both animal, beast and human because what we're feeding our animals and, and, you know, the torture and what they, they go through. When we eat an animal in that capacity, it's not even giving us any nutrient base or mm. it's just not a, yeah, it's not a sustainable way of living. It's not sustainable. I know. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting conversations. I think they're things that we all should open up around our own kitchen mm. tables when we eat a meal, have a talk about what what that means to you, what foods, what does food mean? Um, mm. And culturally, I think, you know, these busy, busy days that we live, we're mm. really not prioritising that time around a kitchen table with our families and friends, like inviting people over, mm. sharing a meal, because um, food connects us all. Um, it brings it brings in um, connection, community, mm. and we can change the world around a kitchen table like the conversation. we are. How? Um, yes. And then, you know, it, it brings in people, you know, we have this quite a lot of um, depression, anxiety and the unspoken um, suicide rates um, that are happening and, you know, it's just people are being alienated in their own communities with these houses, fences. Mm-hmm. We're not conscious of the people in our own community, inviting people in, asking them, hey, how are you going? Why mm-hmm. do you want to come share a meal? You know, food is so, it's like, like sport in Australia. No, we're tribal creatures, aren't we? Yeah,
1: biologically, we're we're designed to be supported by a tribe, Mm. and by doing that, I think, yeah, I agree. You know, we're designed to sit around a campfire eating together, Um, and when we enjoy sharing something, and it's cultural, it's how we. I agree, it's how we share, how we connect. Mm. We're not meant to be eating microwave meals in front of the TV. <laughs> you know, it's, no. then it's, and, and when you do that too often, sometimes, you know, I don't know about microwave meals, but you know, sometimes we yeah, we'll make TV, but yeah. when you when you do that too often, when that becomes yeah. the norm, that's when we start to disintegrate yeah. culturally, I think. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I think bringing that connection is so, so mm. important. And I think as well, and this is where for me, and I, I love that you're on the same page with me, Sue, is that this is where we go from like physical nutrition mm. to, cultural and to community and to emotional health as mm. well. And then even on to some of the bigger things of you know like I love to bless my food before I eat it. Um, you know, giving gratitude for it, mm. you know, and that I think brings in a whole nother level of reverence and respect and you know to ourselves and to to our 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 food that's nourishing us. Yeah. um Can I share the blessing that me and my Go son did her. before our dinner? Yep. So he's 10 now so he rolls his eyes but I still try and do it most oh, nights and we always say thank you earth for happy hearts for rain and sunny weather thank you earth for this food and that we are together blessings on our food mm-hmm. and so i beautiful. think it's just it's like saying grace you mm-hmm. know it's a just a really beautiful way to have
0: reverence and i think that energy of that goes into the food because you know i've implemented that into my cooking and mm-hmm. when i cook meals for other people i put that love I think you get when you eat a meal from someone or when you go to a house and you have a meal, you just know, you just get this sense that there's this love that's been put into this food, this gratitude of your company. And you look at these cultural, um, you know, the Chinese, you know, they will give hand over their most precious ingredient for their guests. They will sacrifice that for their guests, you know, and that, that just yeah i'm just getting goosebumps yes. with that connection you can have through food and putting that energy through your food to feed yeah the people you love it's very humbling mm. 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 yeah well i think we might end Amazing. that because so i think we could talk forever we could. <laughs> we could maybe we might have to have a part two sometime in the future
1: we could go on for so long yeah <laughs> no,
0: definitely i'd love i'd love to share more um yeah, thank you for having thank me. Thank you, Sammy. And I really I loved how you ended up with that little blessing that you have yes. every evening with your beautiful son. And yeah. I hope that everyone here can implement something like that and add something to your ritual of daily life with food. Just add a little bit of your touch. Do you guys have a blessing? Because we're sitting at your, um, your kitchen table at the moment. Well, what we do is we talk about what we've been grateful for the day. Um, so what uh, something that you're grateful for in that day that you experienced. Um, and we also go through, it's not a blessing as such, but it's a belief of fact. So it's sort of Ooh, about learning like you know, what is a belief of a situation and what was the fact. So it's just getting everyone to think about where their place is with the people around them, with their friends and how they react situations how they can observe a situation is it a belief that's running you know it's just a, a oh, raising their very consciousness clever I yep. like this suit it's a little bit of a game I suppose. So, beautiful that's yeah. and it creates conversation oh yeah absolutely yeah
1: oh I love that <laughs> I think I might be using that
0: <laughs> anyway thanks for tuning in and um we'll connect at the next kitchen table bye love you all Thanks for tuning into to The Kitchen Table today. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and it inspires a new conversation around your own kitchen table with friends or family. Till next time, peace and plants.